0: Welcome back to Behind the Name Tag with your host, Vanessa. We're four episodes away from our one-year anniversary and continuing on with our special edition series. We have Maximo on from 281 here in San Antonio, Texas, talking about everything included with inclusion, diversity, equity, education, Hispanic heritage and culture, and what he's been doing for his community. Make sure you tune in and subscribe and follow for the continued edition of special series. Happy listening! Welcome back to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, Why Coaches Are Humans Too. On this podcast, we now interview lifetime employees across the nation to find out who they truly are and what makes them tick, not just coaches. Today, we have on Maximo from 281 here in San Antonio, Texas. Maximo, how has your morning been?
1: Wow, thank you so much. What a phenomenal uh, intro, uh, segue <laughs> into your, your podcast, your program. Much respect. Half off to you for you know, taking on this initiative. My morning has been great. As I shared with you earlier, my daily routine is I get up around three thirty, three forty five, hit the gym by four, and I've been adding more functional training into my workouts, more explosive movements to get some of my speed and agility back. And so I'm very excited for all of that. I had a great cap off workout in the pool and I'm just looking forward to interview you know, this interview and this chat with you. We've been talking about it for weeks and you know, we've gotten to know each other through our, some of our work around, you know, here at Life Time, and so I'm just very excited and very thankful.
0: I know. I'm, I'm grateful to have you on. Um, I'm really excited about our conversation just because um, that actually segues perfectly into how we met. So we met through our leadership development program hosted by Dan Kubo. Mm-hmm. Shout out, Dan Kubo. Um, We have had such a good time with that, I have. I've really enjoyed having these assigned readings. I feel like, honestly, the way that Dan Kubo has been setting up the course, it feels like a college level course, the way that he wants to apply the learning and wants us to engage. Um, I've really, really enjoyed the program so far and I can't wait to get started on the uh, next Emotional Intelligence book.
1: Yeah yeah, so have you had Dan on your podcast yet?
0: I haven't, but I would love to. I would absolutely love yeah.
1: to
0: so yeah, he um he's
1: like an interesting guy.
0: He does Tell me a little bit about why you were interested in that program. like how did you get involved with that program?
1: Well, you know listen through my academic career and upbringing I've always been blessed with certain gifts. Um, you know, that I think are strong into the leadership, but also I've been tapped with various mentors throughout my life. I know we've talked a little bit about and hinted around mentorship and the importance of that, you know, throughout our careers and, and personal and professional development, but as a student, whether it was K through 12 or college, I've always been blessed with certain mentors that also tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you're gonna take this class you're going to take this thing, which is beyond just the standard, right? You've got your coursework, that's cool, but you're going to do something else as well. If they're going to have programs that are about leadership development, guess what, Maximo, you're going to be in those. And I've kind of always had that standard. So I'm a guy who always like to do a little bit more, you know, whether it be with my workouts, whether it be, um, you know, through my personal endeavors, whether it be here in the office or around the club. You know, I always want to go a little bit above and beyond. Not only that, I mean, I'm just passionate about leadership in general. I think leadership can help solve a lot of the issues that we're facing in society in general. If somebody would step up and be a leader mm-hmm. and have some difficult conversations and mm-hmm. and lead people in a proper in the proper manner, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we wouldn't have a lot of the issues that we have today in society, yeah. whether about diversity-related issues, about regular arguments that you see. You know, I see, you know, you, you and I were talking earlier this morning, how often do we see road rage? I saw a road rage in the parking lot here at the Club 281 the other day, two people honking at each other. Mm-hmm. I thought, man, I'm about going to step in in between these two trucks and call these <laughs> people down. You know, who knows what's gotten into these people, but it's a small misunderstanding of people in a rush, and we've got to be more graceful with each other, which I think some of the the, the topics around, uh, the leadership you know, course that we've taken, uh-huh. have talked about having more grace, having more patience, being more kind and being more gentle with one another, seeking to understand, and I've actually taught courses like this before to students, to young professionals, to graduate students and stuff, so I'm very passionate about these things, and it's just about going above and beyond. That's what I want to do. I live up to my name. So if you don't know, Maximo means the maximum. Translated from Spanish <laughs> to English. So I, I try to live up to that name, which I do every now and then. And even if I fall short, I think I'm still living it living it up to the max.
0: I love that Maximo. Now I I love this question because I think it always brings up good thought provoking moments. So I'm going to ask you a twofold question. Um, sure. What do you feel like is the difference between a boss and a leader? And then second part is do
1: you believe that leaders have to lead from the front? To answer your first question, well to answer your second question, no. Leaders can lead in a variety of different ways. Sometimes you have to push, sometimes you have to pull. Okay, sometimes the leaders have to be in the back of the pack to to talk to the people that need it you know, the most, Mm -hmm. right? The people for me, I like helping people that have been given up on. I've done a lot of work with at-risk, quote-unquote, at-risk students, Mm -hmm. and the ones that are getting ready to be suspended and expelled from the schools and the school district, those are the students I want to work with, Mm -hmm. because the ones that are already getting A's and B's and being respectful and doing the right things and have a little bit of issues here and there, and granted nobody's perfect, they may have a little bit of, of, of things here and there. Those mm-hmm. ones are going to be okay. Right. The teachers will get through to them, and and the parents will get through. I want to talk to the kids that don't have parents. Right. I want to talk to the kids that that the parents are are incarcerated. I want to help those kids. So I want and I'm willing to help anybody. Right. You know, I like to think steel sharpens steel. So as a leader, the difference between a leader and a boss is that a leader does what's best for people. You know, if I'm if I'm a supervisor and I'm working with someone. Uh, as a leader, I want to help them. I want to get to know them. I want to know how I can help them. A boss, per se, is someone who, a boss or a manager is someone who's just carrying out policies. If I supervise someone and their shift starts at 8 a.m. and they show up at 8.30, I'm going to have to say, okay, the policy stays. If you're late, i got to put a note in your file. We have to have a discussion, and this is your first warning. Okay? A leader might say, okay, uh, hey, so and so, why were why you late today? Right. You know, how's it going? You know, what's, what's what's is there some issues that we need to talk about? Right. Let's let's discuss these sorts of things. Right. And it's and it's having more of those interpersonal skills. Now, there's nothing to say you can't do both of those things. You can be a leader and a and a manager or a boss. Right. You can do both of those things. But again, that goes back to kind of some of that grace,
2: right? You know, that we
1: came to that. and and that's what a leader does. A leader knows the difference. A leader knows when when to push and when to pull. When to. When to move to the side, when to move back, when to move forward, so on and so forth. You got to have that savviness to know when to do it, know when to, you know, employ the right tactics here.
0: Yeah, there. I feel like what you're describing is just meeting someone in their humanity. Like everybody is a human first, and we all go through many different parts of our lives. And so, just having that that grace and that connection and that awareness, that presence with that person. Of let's talk about what's actually going on. And I feel like a lot of people will put up their guard because a lot of us are not comfortable with feeling or being vulnerable, right? Brene Brown always talks about vulnerability being some of the most courageous moments that we can have, but a lot of people haven't been able to grasp that. And I'm I'm one of those persons. I mean, I I, I will definitely admit this is a conversation I was having with my life coach yesterday. Sometimes, because I am in a male-dominated industry, I feel far more comfortable in my masculine energy than in my feminine energy. And masculine is, you know, it's disciplined, it's direct, it's, um, it's very, like, pointed. And then the feminine energy is far more like, let me uh, provide more community or comfort or lovingness. And we can all kind of have those components um, of energy right it's not gender specific we all kind of mm-hmm. encompass them and I feel like a lot of times we have developed those certain techniques because of protection mechanisms or um, just the the jobs that we acquire and a lot of people are more comfortable being more mechanical and and less human um, mm-hmm. do you do you recall moments that you have noticed like a little bit of both of those for you
1: Well, Vanessa, I mean, gosh, you said a lot right there. I wish I could, you know, recall it all and respond to every little tidbit there. But (laughs) I think that, I think that one, you know, my gosh, there's a a lot. One, I'm proud of you that you have a life coach. I'll say that first Mm -hmm. because you're a coach and trainer already. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people feel like, oh, if if you're performing and you know, a lot about performance and and exercise and training that you don't need any more help. Oh no! Yeah. But that's not true. Yeah. We're all a work in progress. I like to tell people that I work with, is that we're all a masterpiece in progress,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we're all perfecting and crafting the masterpiece as we go day by day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to smooth the paint out a little bit here. Sometimes you got to add a little bit more light to this part of the picture and smooth mm-hmm. it out here and and soften it there, you know, and Mm -hmm. just keep perfecting and crafting, crafting, you know, who we are. I think that for me, you know, I've done a lot of work with men. Um, I grew up playing sports in, in you know, uh, uh, full contact sports, you know, sports where the coaches are yelling at you. And telling you not so nice things, (laughs) you know, and it's very similar to like a military, Mm -hmm. you know, style, you know, training camps or, or boot camps and things of that nature. And I get why coaches do that. I don't agree with it. But it's supposed to like be a psychological thing, right? To get in your head and see how you react and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think that men in, in particular, we've been socialized and programmed to be these big bad macho guys, these tough guys, these protectors, right. these dominators, you know. Yep. And that hurts our progress. Sure. That hurts our personal progress that we we can't cry. We can't allow ourselves to seem weak or to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And for myself, you know, I think a a mixture of of who I am and the things that I've worked on have allowed me to mature a little bit faster and to be a little bit more vulnerable and to recognize some of that feminine energy. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to prove to nobody Mm-hmm. I'm very happy with who I am, and I've still got a long way to go, personally. Right. Now, i not trying to put myself on a pedestal sure. uh, by any means, but, you know, uh, listen, we would, we would be fronts, we would be liars if we, if we didn't acknowledge the things that we do well. But we've yeah. also got to recognize that we've worked at some of these things as well. Nobody's given us anything. And right. I'll say this as well my role here at lifetime with, with meeting new potential members and, and helping people you know with their health and wellness goals I've seen many of men in their 30s and 40s come in here that are depressed mm-hmm. that uh, are seeking help in some form or fashion mm-hmm. and as you know just as you alluded to these men are not signing up for mental health counseling. They're not signing up for life coaches. Mm -hmm. They're not signing up to go to counseling. Mm -hmm. And again, there's nothing wrong with any of that, but society has told men that there is a stigma around mental health issues. I personally believe you can't have a conversation about health unless you address mental health issues as well. That is a part and parcel. That is completely a part of the conversation. So therefore, these men who are not going to counseling are coming to Lifetime because they can come to Lifetime and find that therapy. Mm-hmm. They can find that help that they're seeking through physical exercise, through this health and wellness club that is much more than a gym, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they come here, they get in the steam room, which is therapeutic. They mm-hmm. get in the pool, they start swimming, they get lost in, in, in their work mm-hmm. and their rhythm and finding that health benefit, that, that that rush, those endorphins. They get up there they lift weights they get the rush and that testosterone back, right? They get all of these things naturally that they can get, um, and it makes them feel better about themselves, which directly helps their mind, their brain, mm-hmm. and their mental, their mental health.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, I think we've got a lot of work to do as a society and in mm-hmm. and as people. Uh, health, of course, is at the forefront of that. We can help um, ourselves and help others by exercise and working out, and that's part of the reason I love what I do in the community that I'm in right now.
0: Right, yeah, and I, I think um, I I loved so many points that you just mentioned, but one one in particular that it made me think of is um, I'm very close with um, a first responder, and I've, I have a, you know, he's like a brother to me. He's not blood-related, but he's like a brother to me, and he's a Marine. Mm-hmm. And, and I grew up around guys like that, that those were who I just kind of, I ended up kind of becoming closer to because I was always kind of the Tom, uh, tomboy growing up. So Mm -hmm. I've heard the conversations, I I pay attention and I just feel like there were moments of conversation where it was brought up. If I allowed myself to feel, I don't know that I would be able to come back. That was an actual statement. And it's because there is so much balled up, there's so much bottled up that they wouldn't be able to comprehend how to organize, articulate, and place the emotions and feelings. And just kind of like what you were talking about, like women, it's very normal to have Mm -hmm. discussions about what we're feeling, when we're feeling it, why we're feeling it, it was very much catered at a young age to, to talk about these things. And for men, it was very much seen as, why, why are you talking about your feelings? Don't be a girl. And what's interesting about that is, yes, there might be more of a feminine side to it. So just like you talked about, like society does have a lot of work with unwrapping and understanding that feminine and masculine attributes don't have a gender. And so both are going to be necessary for um, being able to feel balanced, right? So whenever you're talking about mental health and you're talking about imbalances um, and you're feeling like you are out of touch and you feel like you're not doing something of purpose or passion, um, you feel out of alignment. And so or you feel like you're not able to kind of like speak candidly and so some one of the topics that we discussed in our um, de- uh, leadership development program was psychological safety and allowing allowing people to just be present with us and um, actively listen and so um, I would like you to kind of if you could describe to the listeners what psycho- psychological safety is and why do you feel like it would be valuable for our inclusive conversations that we would like to create?
1: Yeah, yeah. And listen, I mean, I think that when you, when you truly allow yourself to be present and to be honest and to be open and to just allow yourself to feel, yeah, you know, that is when you're the safest, when you're not being judged when when you and I are having a conversation, and whoever, if I say something or you say something, that automatically, you know, I come back or you come back and say, "Hey, you can't say that. That's that's unacceptable. I can't believe you said." You know, you know. Listen again. I think you and I both are on the same wavelength with regards to being passionate about VE and I work, right? Diversity, right. equity, inclusion, acceptance, belonging. About truly being in a judgment-free zone right, of, of being, you know, safe with someone, being allowed to be open, and allowing yourself to be vulnerable, to recognize that I am not perfect, you are not perfect, but we're going to allow ourselves to yeah. be imperfect together, whether it be for this hour, whether it be for when we're on these phone calls, mm-hmm. whether we'll be in each other's presence or during a workout, whether we're at happy hour, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. That's when people are the healthiest. Right. That's when people allow themselves to grow. Mm-hmm. That's when people recognize, hey, people ain't half bad, mm-hmm. and people don't mean bad, right? Mm-hmm. There, there, there's some things that people don't know just as of yet, but that doesn't mean we have to get rid of them. That right. doesn't mean we have to discard them. You know, that doesn't mean we have to say this person is is someone that I don't ever want to talk to again. You know. Listen, again, I, I don't wanna sound like I'm perfect here. I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal to say Maxwell deserves to be, you know, on Mount Rushmore per se. But, you know, we have to be honest. And right. we have to see part, part of this work about D E and I, about multiculturalism, about you know, accepting others is having a true love for humanity in general. Right. And that means whoever you are, I'm gonna accept you, I'm gonna to wanna to help you. I'm going to love you no matter what. It doesn't matter, you know, what skin color you're from. It doesn't matter what zip code you're, you were born in. It doesn't matter what country your family's from. It doesn't matter how tall you are. It doesn't matter how short you are. It doesn't matter. I recognize what makes you you. You should recognize what makes me me, but I'm going to help you regardless. Right. right. Let's talk. Let's break bread. Right. Let's, let's get closer to one another. When we do that, when we let all our guards down, that's when people really respect others right part of the reason see part of the reason people like me Mm -hmm. and i don't want to sound like i'm the most well-liked person again i gotta be i gotta be honest here right when i'm talking with you Part of the reason people like me mm-hmm. as strong and as passionate as I am, because I'm willing, I'm willing to be real with all of that. Right. Let's, let's drop all the guards down. Let's drop all the barriers down and be real.
2: Right. Right. And
1: again, we talk about men, right? You see men in the gym. You see men in, in at Lifetime, right? You're up there lifting weights. Oh, you want to know who's the biggest dog on the block, right? <laughs> who's Who can bench press more, right? Who can deadlift more? Who can squat more? Who's the fastest? Right? Let's put all that to a side and let's just be human for a minute. Right. How about that, right? Because everybody's got weaknesses, right? Everybody's got strengths, right? I, when I work with students, I say, look, you can do something really, really well. What is that? And mm-hmm. students say, oh, I can draw really well. Some of these kids say, oh, I can ride a bike really well. Some of these other students say, oh, I can sing really well. Some of these other students say, oh, I'm really good at math. That's what your gift is. Mm-hmm. that's your humanity mm-hmm. right there, mm-hmm. you know, and that doesn't mean you're better than anyone, doesn't mean you're worse than anyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What it means is that if we allow ourselves to be ourselves, mm-hmm. that's the beauty in life right there, and there's the connection that we have. Yeah. Right? That's why That's why when you break it all down to brass tacks, when someone's really good at something, man, you want to know those people. You want right. to get to know them. You want to get next to them. You want to talk to them. You want to figure out how you can have some of that too.
0: Right, right, yeah, and I feel like, you know, usually people say their passion came from their pain or Mark Grove says you make um you take your mess and you make it your message. So like what part of your life do you remember having a particular feeling and wanting to be that person that helped alleviate that same pain? Like you are very passionate for a reason and it's potentially because maybe you weren't so vocal at one point. Can you recall a point where you weren't able to kind of speak up for yourself or others or does anything kind of like touch your heart when I say that, making your mess your message?
1: Well, I think that a lot of things come to mind just as we're talking here, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, get, you say something and then five seconds later something else comes to my mind. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> But, I mean, no, it's a good combo And I think th- this is the reason we document these conversations. This is the reason we have these podcast. This is the reason why we share these. We tell, we, we're going to send this to somebody right after. It's like, you've got to listen to this. You've got to hear this guy. You've got you to gotta listen to this. Skip to minute 16 and listen to this. Right. But um, I think that, one, I was touched in in a way when I was born to be blessed. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was touched by God in a way mm-hmm. that said, you were special, mm-hmm. you were put on this earth for something, mm-hmm. and the biggest waste that people can have is when they don't live up to their true potential.
0: Right.
1: Um, I've had moments of greatness out throughout all of my life where I felt like I've lived up to my potential,
2: mm-hmm.
1: whether it's been on the football field, whether it's been in, in, in a class setting, whether it's been, you know, with with a significant other so on and so forth. I felt like I've had moments and and, and flashes of that brilliance where people will be like, wow, this is amazing. Or or, wow, this is truly living in that zone, living in that flow state. And I wanted to capture that and, and bottle that up and be able to come back to it whenever I need it.
2: Right.
1: You know, when I get around other people, when I recognize that they're great, because I feel like I'm a special person, I feel like I can recognize greatness in somebody. I feel like I can spend five minutes, five seconds, with someone and say, okay, here's a special, here's a special person right here. Um, and even for those that haven't truly found that yet, how can I help them become better, right? There's that aspect of coaching that you talked about. Right. You know, when you know someone's got that potential, you say, well, hey, look, all you gotta do is make a, a five-degree shift to the left. All you gotta do is position your toes a little bit more out. You know, all you gotta do is, is you know, hold on for five or 10 seconds longer, and there you go. You're on to something. Those are the little things that people are going to do. Because if we, if we go to people right now and say, okay, you got to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, those are hard changes to make. Right. If, I, if I start telling somebody, hey, you're going to lose 100 pounds because you're going to wake up at 4 a.m. tomorrow, you're going to take this shake, you're going to get this amount of sleep, you're going to eat this, someone's going to say, no, I, I, don't, I can't do that. <laughs> but if you start telling people, okay, we're going to wake up five minutes earlier tomorrow, then the next day, we're going to wake up five minutes or 10, 10 minutes earlier the next day. Pretty soon, you just shaved, you just freed up an hour in someone's schedule. It's right. about the little things, right? right? We have to coach people up. We have to help them do the little things in order to do the big things. That's that philosophy of from going good to great. You know, greatness, greatness wasn't uh, built overnight. As they say, you know, the pyramids of Chichen Itza weren't built in, in a day right? This is a progress, right? Life is a process, Right. and so we've got to work at it, chip away at it. One of the things I love to do is work with my son. Now, my son does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and mm-hmm. I've never done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but I know enough about athletics and sports and leverage and technique that I can help him and coach him up. I love rolling with my son. There's a video on my Instagram. If y'all, if y'all will see, you can look it up. Me and my son, who's six years old, him and I getting after it on the mats. And I tell him he don't recognize this yet, but, I, but in a couple of years he's gonna understand. And I tell him right now, look, if you can take me down, you can take other 6 year olds down. But you gotta bring it. Right. I'm not gonna give it to you. They're not gonna just give it to you. You gotta come. So in one way, you gotta know how to how to coach people up, right? Right. How to coach them in a manner that's gonna be effective. I think that's important as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things, and the other thing is I, I think about this to get to answer your question, and then I'll, and I'll try to be brief here is that if you know you can help someone who needs the help, who truly needs the help, and you don't do it, Uh and you know you got every power just to say two minutes worth of talk, which for me is easy to talk, if you can't tell, who is the the real leader here? Who's the real, who really needs the help here? If I can't help somebody and I've got all of the ability to help them with two minutes, don't cost me nothing, Uh who really needs the help here? Either right. me or them, because I should be able to. If I if I should be willing to help anybody I come across for no reason other than just wanted to, to do better and to help others. Period.
0: Right. It's it's funny when you mentioned your son, I immediately thought about um, this snippet I just saw. I'm pretty sure that it was Sports Center that just released it. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's this uh, famous MMA um, fighter. And he's sitting with his son, who's... You said your son is 6 Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that kid was probably around about that age. And they were sharing a moment about, I think, them kind of rolling and them playing around and fighting. And uh, the son just looked at the dad and just with such big, like, loving eyes with tears and was just like was so grateful to the lesson that his dad was teaching him and it was just such a beautiful emotional exchange and the father instead of saying stop crying said I he said my son is so emotional I love it I love that he loves basically I love that he loves so much he just has such a big heart and he's told his son I love you so much And it was just such a beautiful, like, energy exchange between father and son where he had a candid moment of saying, thank you for showing me what it feels like to love a human beyond comprehension. And Mm -hmm. I just, I loved seeing that because it was an immediate representation of how powerful our children can be when they teach us things without actually even like realizing it and showing us, reminding us the capacity of, of kindness and love in our human nature. Um, and so some of the things that I love to ask parents, um, because I'm not one myself yet is what is a lesson that your son has taught you that maybe like took you by surprise or
1: or just really like warmed your heart. So yeah, um, I again with my work that I've done with men, I have found that many of men have not allowed themselves to be themselves, right. their true selves, uh-huh. or a part more of their true selves until they've had children. Right. Until they've had children, right? So that's when some of that vulnerability comes comes to you when um, when you when you have kids and you start to recognize that you've got another human being who's probably more like you than anybody else in this world. Right. I have a son and a daughter. My son is six. My daughter's two. Love them to death. You know. um, Gosh, I'm going to get emotional talking about. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I remember when my son was born in the room and they handed him to me in the little, you know, blanket that he was in. And I remember looking up, him looking up at me and, um, <laughs> um, you know, just thinking, wow, I have a son now. And, um, you know, thinking about all the things that he could become. And, um, you know, all the things that I owe him, all the things that I'm going to teach him, all the things that I'm gonna pour into him um, to help him, you know, be confident enough to take on this world. because, as you know, um, you know, listen, life can be relatively easy, but life can also be very difficult for people.
2: Right.
1: And you know, for me, it's about optimizing, you know, our humanity, right? It's about helping people, no matter where they're at. I, again, you, you asked me earlier, um, I feel like I'm blessed, right? I, you know, I feel like I'm a superhuman. And I feel like I'm just that way just by being alive. It's not because I'm the strongest, it's not because I'm the fastest or the smartest. It's just because I'm just of who I am. Of all of the work I've poured into myself, that I feel like I'm a superhuman. I feel like I can help anybody, I can help anybody get better. And just make have a better day, and develop you know their their weaknesses into strengths, little by little. Mm-hmm. Talking people up, you know, depression is so real, right. you know, these days. And if I can talk, if I can spend a half hour with anybody, I feel like I can help them in some form or fashion. And with my son and my daughter now, um, you know, I owe them everything. You know, I I have helped bring them into this world along with their mother. And so now I owe it to them to make sure that life is easy. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you all the tools I need to give you, mm-hmm. right? Whether it be at jujitsu, which for athletics, for people like us, athletics, working out, training, it's more than a sport. Yeah. It's more than an activity, right? These, the plates that we put on a barbell, the, the takedowns and the people that are on top of us as we're rolling in jiu-jitsu, those are more than just objects or people. These are our obstacles. These are our, our tasks. These are the objectives that we need to do in order to become better. It's all, you know, the only reason we do sports is to learn how to be better people, right? How do we strategize? How do we come up with better techniques? Those are the same skills that are going to cross over into your into your life, into your into your classwork, into your professional work, into your entrepreneurial work, into your leadership, into your 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 running for office. You know that's all that is. If not, you're not doing it right. Right. If not, you're not you're not you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing here. You know our brains are the strongest muscles that we have. I did a leadership course where I showed people. A bunch of these uh, pictures of me working out, and I was doing squats, I was doing push-ups, I was doing, you know, handstand push-ups, I was doing, you know, snatches and cleans. And I asked them all these students. I said, "Okay, which muscle do you think I'm working out the most?" And it was funny. They were all saying legs, and they were saying, "Ah, oh, his arms, ah, oh, chest." That's what he's working out. I said, oh, "Man," I said, "It's the mind." I said, "It's the mind." The yeah. mind is the strongest muscle that we have. If we train that properly, all, all else in life will be easy. it would be Skittles. it would be barbecue chicken on a Sunday. Easy. <laughs> it would be easy. Barbecue and tacos. That's what it would be. Easy money right there.
0: How, uh, how important do you believe uh, peace is in order to optimize our potential?
1: well i mean listen i mean once once people start getting into spirituality, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of people in, in, in some religions, most religions, they'll start talking about peace and love and harmony, but once you start getting into spirituality and being still and being calm and being peaceful in your heart, mm-hmm. um, that's when you can really feel for other people, right? Mm-hmm. Those guys that I was talking about that are having road rage in the parking lot at Lifetime 281, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't have peace in their heart in those particular moments. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I have peace in my heart. I don't want to fight with nobody. Mm-hmm. I don't like fighting. Now mm-hmm. I can. I know when to when to turn it up if I need to to turn that switch on. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't really have that in my heart. It's not nice. It's not cool. It's not who right. I am. I don't want to inflict harm or damage on anyone because that's the opposite of peace, right? It's rage and anger and hostility and resentment.
2: Right. Um,
1: you know, there's certain things we got to let go of. Right. There's certain things that aren't that aren't worth it. I had a conversation um, with a with a friend and a sister. She's, um, she's indigenous or Latina, as people would know her to be, right? She's indigenous and Spanish. And I asked her, I said, "Hey, what color are your eyes?" I noticed she had, she had, you know, lighter complexion eyes. And she goes, "Well, they they sometimes get light." She goes, "That's the that's the European in me that I resent." Oh. <laughs> and you know, and I kind of laughed, I kind of laughed at her when she said that because you know a lot of Latino people, Mexican people. Who are blended between they're, they're a mixture an amalgamation of mestizo of mexican uh the mexican folks are a mixture of indigenous uh people and spanish people and some mexican folks um you know they have a they, they gravitate to one side or the other more indigenous or more spanish now most of us for, for the most part will be well we're just mexican but some people have gone back and traced the lineage and felt like they're more indigenous or more Spanish than the other, which there's an argument to and from both of those. Um, but I just thought it was funny that, that she said that, well, that's the European in me, you know, that I that I used to resent. And I told her, I said, you know, that was kind of funny, you know, that we can, you know, cause we can kind of talk like that and kind of joke, right, be in that in-group. But I said, look, it's not worth it, right? I mean, you don't need to resent yourself. I mean, you're, you're beautiful the way you are, right? We're, mm-hmm. We are who we are. We wouldn't be who we are if mm-hmm. we didn't have that Spanish and that, that indigenous blood in us. We would be somebody else if it was, you know, otherwise, and we wouldn't know who we were. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's complicated. It's complicated. All this stuff is complicated.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, there is, there's a lot of power and peace, but I think a lot of people that, um, are able to hold a lot of peace in the middle of chaos have really experienced a lot of of um, trial and tribulation because they understand that um, in the middle of chaos in order to kind of set it like settle it and de-escalate it they have to create the environment that they want um, of the opposing factor right so but it's interesting, I was talking to this, um, to one of my friends yesterday, is that there are some people that all they have ever known their entire life is chaos. And so they mm-hmm. will either attract chaos, create chaos, um, just because that's where they feel the most comfort. They don't understand stillness or they don't understand um, a calming effect. They, they don't know what that feels like. And when, it, when they do come into it, um, they know it feels foreign. Um, and so I think that sometimes that's kind of what I connect with being an agent of change with our inclusion, our inclusion council that you and I are also a part of is we have to be very delicate about how we create a little bit of chaos in order to create a little bit of peace in our in our world and be agents of change. And mm-hmm. um, so I know one of the topics that. Um, is difficult to speak on. There are many, um, but it's more about um, you know racial divide and um, gender divide and all sorts of hot topics. And I know you are, par- are a particular agent of um, of change within the Hispanic culture. We have um, Hispanic heritage um, coming up. Uh, can you kind of talk to us a little bit about that and like how you are. An agent of change in San Antonio, and like what and what things that you're
1: a part of here. Mm-hmm. So one again, I appreciate you for doing the things you do for stepping out outside of the box because you don't have to do any of this stuff. You don't have to talk about any any of these issues, but you're doing it because you're leading from a place of love. A true a true revolution, a great revolutionary once said, a true revolution guided by a great feeling of love. And so long as this work that we do comes from a place of love yep. a place of servant leadership yep. a place from truly wanting to help others we'll never be in the wrong right. we'll never be in the wrong so i don't got to walk on eggshells around nobody right. not one person i don't have to hold my tongue because we got to be honest right right we got to be honest right if we really want to fix things you got to be honest right if, if if you have a client that you're working with and they're telling each other things, yeah, man, I just can't lose weight or I just can't overcome this, this sugar addiction. I can't do these things. Mm-hmm. And then they go home and they're sitting on the couch and they're, they're eating sugar, straight up eating sugar, straight up. And they're coming back to you the next day, wow, I just can't, you know, I'm doing all the right things. I just can't, can't figure out why I'm not, can't break this here. Because, because they're not being honest with you. They're not being honest with themselves right, right? We've got to be honest. This country needs to look itself in the mirror And that's one of the things that it's never wanted to do the hypocrisy that is that has bled into Many of people in this country um, it, it's, it's never been something people want to own up to but that's okay. That's okay. That's why we have to be those agents of change that you talked about. That's why we got to be willing to step out of the comfort zone. That's why we got to be willing to ask people some of those tough questions. That's why we got to push the envelope. And I'm not afraid to do it because, again, I feel like that's what I was chosen to do. That's what I was put on this earth to do. Again, if I know certain things and if I don't share those things with other people, what does that say about me? What does it mean? That means I'm not stepping into my true full potential. Right? Again, the people that I see that have prejudice, that have hate on their mind and their hearts for whatever reason, guess what? A lot of those people, they ain't bad people. They're really not bad people. They just need to be checked in a manner that can speak to them. Now people don't want to be confronted, people don't want to be put on blast, people Mm -hmm. don't want to have to be shamed out of their boots. Mm-hmm. But that's why you got to get to know people. Right. I like to consider myself to be a people whisperer. So if I find somebody, I listen. I tell you, I give you a, an example. One of my homeboys I used to break bread with is Haitian, from Haiti.
2: Right.
1: And he was extremely, extremely homophobic. I mean, oh my gosh! I mean, you could just hear him say these words and slurs, and I'd be like, man, what? What's wrong with you, man? Why? How could you say that? And so. You know, I didn't... He was my guy, right? I grew up with him, so I didn't judge him. I didn't say, look, I'm never going to talk to you again because you're homophobic. Instead, in my mind, in the back of my head, I said, okay, this is a long-term project.
2: Yeah.
1: This is a long-term project. I can't just fix this in a day. I'm going to start talking to him more and more, and we're going to get to him somehow, some way. Right. So even if I put a drop in the bucket in two weeks... Well, guess what? Maybe in a year, something else happens. And then maybe in six months after that, he has a conversation with his significant other that opens him up a little bit more. And then maybe two weeks later, he watches a movie or a film or has a moment that something comes to him and he says, you know what? Maybe I was wrong all along. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't be homophobic. Mm-hmm. Maybe that ain't cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to be more accepting and maybe I don't need to put myself you know, uh, work on myself to recognize how I was wrong. Mm-hmm. That's how I believe you get through to certain people. That's how I believe you work with certain people because really, yeah, you know, none of, this stuff, none of this stuff has a place in society. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be hating on nobody, no person, no one over no thing. Right. No reason. No think, reason. There's no reason for it. Why would I do that? I think that don't make me a better person. I mean, what is up with this crabs in a bucket mentality? Why do we have that? Who taught us that? Right. That's what we need to unlearn. And I'm willing to go and take anybody to school any day.
0: Ooh, yeah. Like unlearning is such a powerful thing. Um, but I think that it's a luxury to be able to sit in a space of awareness to realize that you need to unlearn something and i think you know what you were talking about it's in it's making investments in people and people appreciate consistency and people showing up for them they they notice patterns they notice people being honest we we're, we're energetic we're literal energetic beings so we know when energy is off right And one of the topics that you were talking about on our last inclusion call was how do we show up for Lifetime and all of our members and all of our coworkers and make them understand that we're here and it's meaningful and what we want to do is make an actual difference. And this is not for saving face. This is not for putting the stamp on lifetime and saying they have an inclusion council and hush hush everything else we're good to go it's a matter of truly having moments where we shake up and we stop saying the pc thing or we stop saying the corporate acceptable thing and we have some real conversations so that we're able to really show up in our humanness and and like you said like really reflect on the things of our shortcomings and stop sweeping it under the table and notice the inequalities, lack of equity, um, and have these uncomfortable conversations because we don't grow in comfort. Um, So I would love for you to just kind of talk a little bit about why the Inclusion Council matters to you, why it matters in general, and how, how you feel like you're you're starting that movement with yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, so we're touching on a lot and I feel like I'm not doing some of these questions uh, or do justice, but that's <laughs> okay. You know, I know what we've, we're, we're talking off the cuff here, which is important um, just to be real and to be open. and It's not prescriptive and pre-planned, but I think one thing is that again, I have the patience to work with people, some people, right? And I think that's important because What's the alternative right. if we cancel people, if we discard people, if we yell at people? That ain't going to help that other person. That's going to turn them off even more. What they're going to do is become more racist, more homophobic. They're going to be more prejudiced. They're going to go turn around and do a hate crime. They're going to turn around and, and vote to take away so-and-so's rights. <laughs> you know? right. So there's more than one way to bake a cake, let's say, yeah. and you got to know how to do them all you got to bake the best cake, right, when, when appropriate. So I think that needs to be said. And again, I do recognize the privilege I have in saying that. I've said this once and I'll say it again. I have all the privilege in the world as myself, as someone who's 5'10", 190, uh, a, a, a Hispanic passing male in San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. Someone who's straight. You know, I've got all the privilege in the world. You know, I speak good English, right, so to speak, whatever you want to say. Um, I've got all the privilege. To do what I want and say what I want when I can. Now I use that privilege to help others. Others don't. Others just kind of you know get along and kind of do what they do. But I recognize some people don't have that. When people are being deported, when people are being murdered, when people are being uh, you know shot down, when people are being discriminated against. So that comes from a place of privilege. Now I'm willing to help anybody, right? And sometimes you know you mentioned you know leadership. Sometimes that means me not saying anything. Right? Right. Sometimes I think about, okay, why am I talking right now? Right. Why do I need to talk, right? If someone's going to ask Maxwell, hey, how do you feel about women's issues, and Vanessa's sitting right here, uh, I'm probably not going to talk. Let's be honest here. I don't need to talk right, about that sort of stuff. <laughs> right? Especially when somebody else has a more real experience living in those shoes. Right? So it's, again, having that grace to be able to deflect and know that, hey, sometimes I need to shut up and listen. Um, with regards to inclusion work, listen, one of the things about the Inclusion Council is we have to be honest, the Inclusion Council is not is solely not enough. So I like being on the Inclusion Council, but just that alone and us talking about things on calls you know, every so often, that's not going to get it all done. Right. But it is a start right. to turning a ship around to head in the right direction. Now this isn't a lifetime, all these things that we're talking about, they aren't lifetime issues. They are issues that happen worldwide. Mm-hmm. That happen worldwide, not just in the United States. That happen worldwide. Okay, things like homophobia, things like anti-blackness, things like classism, mm-hmm. economic inequalities that mm-hmm. that really have seeped through and and changed a lot of our uh, or a lot of our ways of life. You know, uh, and so I have been uh, someone who's been very vocal on some of these calls, and I'm glad you have been too. Because again, we need to speak up. Right. And I'm not afraid to speak up. What do I got? I don't got nothing to lose. I have a lot less than I have now. You know, uh, you know, one of the things I like to think is that this work requires uh, a, a, a movement or motivation for justice,
2: Yeah. right?
1: We can talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, kindness, fairness all day long. But what are we doing to rewrite the wrongs that have been done in society, right? Those are some of the things that we really need to talk about: is justice, about right. restoring restorative justice, about um, you know fixing some of the uh, the injustices that have been done in the past. Mm-hmm. So I will, and I, and I will start promoting more many many of these positions that are being done at a corporate level are called Jedi positions, which is an acronym for justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Okay, and I like it because. First of all, if you're a Star Wars fan, you like Jedi. <laughs> to justice, the J is the first word in there. Right. We can't call it, you know, Deji, diversity, equity, justice, <laughs> and inclusion, though it's Jedi. Yeah. Justice starting first. Right. So let's talk about justice. So again, we can talk about how you we treat everybody with respect when they walk in the door. Well, guess what? You should do that anyway.
2: Right. You
1: should do that anyway, right? You can't give yourself a cookie just for doing the bare minimum. Right. Right. What we need to do, let's talk about the numbers. Let's talk about the, uh, the, you know, we talked about this before, the amount of women in leadership positions. Right. Let's look at the numbers. And that's not only here at Lifetime, but all companies and corporations uh, countrywide from coast to coast. Talk about it worldwide. Let's talk about the, you know, do does the um, population uh, racially and ethnically at your club, Make up the population is it reflective of the population that it serves?
2: Right,
1: like that's important, right? Let's talk about the C-suite. Let's talk about who's on the board of directors at any company. Again, not just LifeSize. Any company, right? That is important because if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. Right. Again, hypocrisy is not something I do well with.
0: Right, and so again,
1: it's about. Go ahead.
0: Sorry, you're very involved with our community in San Antonio and something that I wanted to make sure we were able to talk about is just particular, um, you know, passion projects that you're a part of that are related to Hispanic culture with um, Mm -hmm. Hispanic Heritage Month coming around. What, What would you like to share with our audience that you feel like either people need to start talking more about or need to be aware of or some things that you would like to share on your heart in relation to
1: Hispanic heritage? Oh gosh, we're gonna write a book here. Um, (laughs) So first and foremost, I'll say this. Every month is Black History Month. Every month is Pride Month. Every month is Women's History Month. And every month is Hispanic Heritage Month. Every month is Latinx Heritage Month. Mm -hmm. Every month is Native American Heritage Month. Mm -hmm. You know, the Hispanic people in this country are very kind, very gentle, very soft-spoken, very beautiful people, okay? And it's a shame that there is racism, that there is colorism, that people have taken advantage of these folks for so long. Mm -hmm. My family, if you go back generations ago, they were humble farm workers. They worked in car factories and just did their job. They worked hard to provide their future generations a better way of life. And that involved some form of education. That didn't involve them getting a good education. My grandfather on my dad's side had a third grade education. He had a third grade education, dropped out of school in third grade so he can go to work by the time he's in fourth grade. I mean, really? I mean, is that even legal? I mean, you know, but that's, that's how these generations came up. There were tough times. We're talking salt of the earth people that just wanted to get along and do right by others, okay? It's society that pulled in all these other things to outlaw their ways of life and to to make laws around you, know, you couldn't do this you couldn't do that which led to people getting the short end of the stick with end up people with people that ended up living in poverty with people end up living incarcerated and people can talk all day long you know about all oh, Maximo, you're making excuses out listen we can debate it all day uh for people life is made up of choices but it can only be judged based on looking at all of the other choices people had to choose from in order to with how they got along in their lives what i'll say is this is that the hispanic or the latinx people people that come from native communities people that come from european communities people that come from african communities that made up this beautiful amalgamation of hispanic or latino people are very kind gentle passionate prideful people and We just want to get along just like everyone else does. So it hurts me to see uh, people taking advantage of people who don't speak English in this country. It hurts me to see hate crimes of people being robbed when they're just on the street trying to make a dollar um, and sell popsicles or sell tacos. It hurts me to see those hate crimes happen. It hurts me to see people that are gunned down in a Walmart in El Paso because of people who have been radicalized and people being killed, people that live just like me. It will be the worst day of my life when I find out that my mother was gunned down because she was speaking Spanish at a public, a public, you know, uh, restaurant or a public, you know, park or something. Um, that will be the worst day of my life. Um, and so, what I what I'd like to say about Hispanic Heritage Month, particularly for those that are listening on the call or listening uh, to the podcast that belong to this community. One, we have a a, a responsibility to help others. We have a responsibility in this country to help people that are undocumented, people that don't speak English, people that are solely looking to find a better way for the future generations. We have a responsibility to abolish and to cancel colorism inside of our community. There should be no no anti-blackness inside of our communities. We shouldn't be hating on people who have darker skin. We shouldn't be uh, favoring people who have lighter skin or lighter eyes. We should be honoring and respecting all of our people, which includes uh, honoring and respecting our indigenous brothers and sisters, whom we are as well. We are indigenous people just as much as anyone else. But we have forgotten about our indigenous brothers and sisters, and we have to pull them up and lift them up as well because they're forgotten in this country time and time again. And we've got work to do. We've got work to do, but I will tell people that we're a beautiful people. And I would tell other Hispanic or Latino people that you should be proud of who you are and that you shouldn't say your name is Max. You should say your name is Maximo because if they can say John and Joe and Jonathan and Jeffrey, they can say Maximo just the same. You don't have to change your name, you don't have to change up your identity, you don't have to be afraid of who you are. You can be beautiful, you can be proud, you can be loud, you can be exactly who you are every day because we're giving you the permission to do that. You should not be afraid. Um, People have been afraid and ashamed of who they were for too many generations and we're putting that all to bed. So there's a lot to be said about quote unquote Hispanic Heritage Month. What I'll tell people no matter who they are is that we should honor all cultures. I love people no matter who they are. I want to know about everybody. I want to know about you know people's Irish descent, their German descent. I want to know about their upbringing in New Zealand and Australia and Japan and all of the beautiful cultures around the world. We should honor other people. Mm-hmm. Hispanic Heritage Month is coming up with, I guess we have permission to celebrate who we are for 30 days, but we can live that, that beautiful truth 24-7, 365, and people got to step into that, and they got to own it. And if you really want it, you got to own it. And so, go ahead and do it,
0: Maximo. Amen. How are you going to bring us to church like that? I love that. I, I appreciate Girl, you. Oh no, it's
1: only it's only nine. It's not even nine thirty. You're getting me hyped.
0: I know, I Maximo. I appreciate you so much. We have a couple minutes, and I just wanna, I just wanna tell you that I'm just I'm grateful to know you. I appreciate your time and your energy and your purpose and your passion. You are just such a good human. And I can't wait to have more conversations with you just because you are the type of individual that just makes my heart full. And I just I want I want to be surrounded by more people that challenge me, that have honest conversations, that um, just make me understand that what I'm doing is not for nothing and it's for it's for movement. And so. I I just appreciate you, and I I just want to give it back to you one last time if you would like to share anything additional with our listeners before we leave today.
1: No, listen, again, I appreciate you, and this isn't the last time that we're going to talk. You know that we've Mm -hmm. got a lot of different things that we can and will be working on, so let's keep those in mind. And, again, we have a responsibility as good people to make positive deposits and a positive energy exchange with folks. You know, how many times have we walked into a room with people that are just downers and vampire suckers and energy drainers from us and it's like, no, I don't want to be around those people. I want to be around other good people because we've got our own issues to deal with. Now I feel like I've got, as you can tell, that energy, that spark, that flair that I can uplift some of those people, but hey, we're all human, right? right? We're all human and we've all got those moments and those times where we're down, Um, but again, I feel like I was put on this earth for a reason. You were put on this earth for a reason. So we got a responsibility to do some work. Yep. And I'm about doing the work. I'm <laughs> about doing the heavy lifting. I can, do, I can do the light lifting too, but I like doing the heavy lifting. And so I'm ready to go to work anytime. I'll roll up my sleeves and go to work no matter the hour, just tell me when and where, and I'm ready to punch in. All right. And so I'll tell you this. Thank you for your time. Uh, shout out to everybody over there at the RIM, including Cosette. Shout out to our leadership development uh committee and the inclusion council i want everybody to subscribe to this podcast and i want everyone to support vanessa in her work and let's keep it going in the right direction thank you so much
0: Maximo I cannot do I cannot wait to do the work with you brother I appreciate you so much thank you for listening to behind the name tag more than a coach where coaches and employees of lifetime are humans too I appreciate every human in their journey and I hope to continue to connect and shed light on how uniquely beautiful we all are our differences are what make us unique but it's our humanity that brings us together stay healthy my friends this is your host Vanessa signing out Thank you so much again for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. We are broadcasting on anywhere you can find other podcasts like Apple, Spotify, and of course, Anchor, where we're recording this podcast now. If you really loved it, which I'm sure you did, we would appreciate a five-star review and a share with all of your friends. Until next time, this is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Stay healthy, my friends.